Well, hello out there in podcast land, and welcome to bizcastonline.com, an ongoing series of business informational podcasts created and produced by SCORE Naples. SCORE is a national organization with over 320 chapters around the country that provide free and ongoing business advice from highly experienced mentors committed to helping you succeed. We at SCORE Naples provide mentoring in every field and industry imaginable, whether you're a startup, a new business, or an ongoing business. This is SCORE Naples business counselor Mike Bommel, and with us today is Richard Siegel, the founder and CEO of Pace International. Pace International has been retained by ADF, USAID, and the World Bank for poverty alleviation in Africa for over 15 years. Richard, tell us a little about your background and your professional background. Well, there's several. Uh, The first I started out was uh, a retailer, and I developed a chain of retail stores, 27, and developed software that took the eye of the industry uh, Champ Sports is, was one of our customers for inventory management and human resource productivity. And uh, the world's largest trade organization is National Retail Federation, and they got wind of what I was doing because it was kind of a skunk works in Little Olean, New York, the population of about 15,000 people. And so they had me, they invited me as a speaker to uh, uh, on implementation of technology with retail processes. And uh, so I spoke uh, to worldwide uh, leadership for five years or more. Then they put me on the board of directors, and then they put me on the executive committee. So I go, got to break bread with Bruce and Blake Nordstrom, uh, chairman CEO of Nordstrom's, Terry Lundgren, the chairman CEO of Macy's. And so I developed a whole network of people that, over the years. And uh, then I was tapped by uh, uh, African Development Foundation. They had a buyer linkage program that uh, was decorative home products to Target. And we had a very successful initial offer and then USAID came in and started funding me and then the World Bank did. And the last project that I was, uh, that we ran, my company Pace International, the last project we ran was in Ethiopia. Ethiopia was the poorest country in the world. When I got there it had $147 average per capita income. Within five years Ethiopia is the fastest growing economy in the world. Um, We did it with footwear because footwear has three times the labor content and ten times the component content of apparel. Most people start industrialization with apparel and uh, because it's much simpler. Um, When I started the project in Ethiopia, Africa had never exported a pair of shoes to the United States and the pundits all said I'm wasting my time that'll never happen Africa will never export footwear to the United States particularly Ethiopia Uh, within a year we had millions of dollars of footwear on the water coming to the United States and uh, within five years we had a two billion foreign direct investment from a producer in China into Ethiopia and that just took their economy to the stars. Uh, the U.S. State Department cited this program as the most successful export program of manufactured goods Africa has ever had. Four countries have now invited PACE to replicate this uh, footwear production export program. Uh, Ghana, which the election is just on Wednesday, and we think that 
the opposition party that we are in favor of will be in power. We'll know more today. Uh, Nigeria, Dominican Republic, and Haiti have invited us to replicate that program. The goal of my company is to graduate all third world countries to second world or emerging nation status. Uh, if you went back 30 years, planet Earth had six billion people, four and a half billion of which lived in third world countries. Fast forward to today, you have six and a half billion people on planet Earth and only one billion living in third world countries. So that is my goal before I go. Uh, the greatest challenges we had, I'll say the donor mentality. By donor, I mean USAID, World Bank. They are very producer-centric, not customer-centric, and they want uh, Americans to buy products from uh, African poor because they're poor. And uh, that will be a, what I call a pity purchase, and uh, you'll get maybe 1% of the population if you want the bulk of the population buying goods made in third world countries. You have to have competitive products. Uh, the pricing must be right. The deliveries must be on time. And uh, if third world countries want to compete, they have to be customer-centric because the customer will find somebody who will please them if they don't. The second challenge uh, is the donor community focuses on agriculture. And between planting and picking, there are, is no work. You don't need a team of people to have the sunrise and the rains to come. And in the case of Ethiopia and Ghana, Every three years, there's a drop, so there goes the factory. And if you study world wealth, which I have, five years in the Industrial Revolution created more wealth than 2,000 years of farming. So it's value-added, taking raw materials that the country has and turn them into finished product uh, that builds wealth. Uh, the third problem in the donor mentality is that they want to include all producers regardless of how well or how poorly they represent the country. Pace's position is start with your best and your brightest. Develop a history of successful transactions and then we can work our way down to the marginal people. It's like trying to win the Olympics with your worst athletes. Uh, the great, greatest challenge from producers is it's a term called Africa time. And even African-Americans refer to it. You can order a bowl of soup, tell them you're in a hurry. 30 minutes later, you're chasing to find your server to remind him that you ordered a bowl of soup. Uh, that is pervasive. Um, also, quality compromises, uh, because they're used to lower standards of local and regional markets. And they have a term called socialist overhang. And that is, Africans' history went from tribalism to colonialism to socialism, and now they're trying to privatize everything. And, the, and these are second-generation management, all of whom that I worked with in Ethiopia were four-degree U.S. bachelor degree holders. So they were not unfamiliar with activities in the United States. But they, can, they cannot understand solutions. They can cite problems, but they cannot understand a solution. I'll give you an example. When I first got to Addis Ababa, the capital, 
I interviewed the top seven producers individually in their office and I asked what is the greatest challenge that you have as a producer in growing your business and every one of them said this was amazing every one of them said the Port of Djibouti I said what's wrong with the Port of Djibouti well since Africa doesn't make a lot of things they have to import components parts that go together to make the finished product and I assumed to be exports but no it was the imports imports would sit in Djibouti for two months and I said why and nobody could answer why so I go to Djibouti and in 10 seconds anybody could see the port of Djibouti Addis Ababa is 8,000 feet above sea level okay they're about the same latitude but it's 75 degrees five-star hotels don't have any heating and air conditioning in Addis Ababa and Djibouti is at sea level on the Red Sea it's 120 degrees in the peak of the day so the workers do not work they sit under trees and they chew on chat which is a hallucinogen so the containers stacked up over here they can't voucher them they can't manage them and that was the problem so I said why don't we open a dry port just east of Addis Ababa a lot of space beautiful temperature and get everything out of Djibouti and then you can go through the paperwork and voucher everything into it so it took two months down to two days but here bachelor degree holders that have lived in Ethiopia spent time in the United States couldn't figure out a solution and I ran into this in Tanzania I ran it into Ghana Rwanda uh, and, and Ethiopia and it's called social overhang. so that's the greatest problems there our greatest success story in the 15 years was Ethiopia which which I, I described um, our goal is to graduate all third world countries to emerging market status uh, and one of our advantages is as director on the executive committee of National Retail Federation uh, I was long-term contacts with the chairman and CEOs of all the footwear producers all the department stores so I had a network uh, very well established over decades that I could go and I, I could see any buyer they would because the chairman the CEO says I want you to meet and he's got some good products here so uh, we also have a very senior network in China uh, of producers so we can we have two models one is bringing a producer from China over like we did in Ethiopia uh, and then we have a second model where since there's a lot of footwear factories closing because China has got a shrinking workforce and a growing um, retirement population so they're trying to migrate from low-cost consumer goods to uh, automobiles and high-tech so there's a lot of six, over 6,000 shoe factories have closed in the last few years and there's a lot of equipment that can be bought for 10 to 20 cents on the dollar and so Pace has developed a new model in which we will own the production and the labor in Africa is around 70% lower than China. The product that we have selected, um, vulcanized footwear is canvas uppers and rubber bottoms, and Ghana has both uh, cotton plantations and rubber plantations. Uh, China has to import quite a bit of it. And the duties are 37.5% for the world except Africa due to Africa Growth Opportunity Act. So we will have a huge, where footwear has historically moved around the world for a 20% cost advantage, we have a huge, much, much bigger uh, cost advantage. Uh, 
we plan, we are working with a company called Saffron. Uh, they are based in Madrid and they're one of the top 10 branding companies in the world. And they branded uh, three countries and the city of London, UK. And I've met with the most senior general manager of North and Central America and he is very excited. We want to create a brand or a sub-brand of products made in third world countries according to our standards which are we start workers out at double the pay and they have the opportunity to double that so four times prevailing wages we will have certain working conditions and uh, anybody can we can license this to providing they provide that same kind of uh, compensation and we're going to take this brand call it brand X and in some cases it's like um, uh, Gore-Tex or Vibram so you could have a Timberland boot but it has Gore-Tex in it the customers know what that is the value that brings so it could be a Timberland boot with Pace or Brand X meaning it was made in third world countries to very very high standards we want to take that brand and go to Oprah Winfrey Bono Bill Gates Warren Buffett and all the Hollywood celebrities with a history of advocacy and then go on the media for free and drive customers into stores in an incredible way. Uh, uh, Alfredo Frail is the general manager of Saffron. He said this would be the most powerful marketing program in the world. And so we can drive employment. Uh, so we have both the supply side and the demand side. And here is a fellow that has been, I've known him for years, Bob Campbell. Uh, he is a primary supplier to both um, both Walmart and Target of vulcanized footwear. And he has looked at our samples and said they're the best quality in the world and the best prices and he will place orders in any factory under our management up to capacity. So we have a customer that can fill up day one the factory. Um, for investors, uh, we are looking for one model where we are bringing a, a producer from China over. We're looking at about a, a $550,000 investment. The second model where Pace will own production, uh, we are looking for about $3.2 million. And the return on investment, we have a full-blown business plan. Uh, by year five, in that year alone, the, the ROI would be 170%. For a 10-year span, it'd be 1,216% return on investment. Uh, this is a very low risk. Um, I'm familiar with the venture capital. In fact, my brother is a venture capitalist. Uh, and uh, usually they are ideas and untested, and maybe it'll fly, maybe it won't. Uh, and statistically, venture capitalists lose the vast majority, but the ones that hit it make it so big it offsets those losses. Uh, this is extremely low risk because we're dealing shoe factories that are that have been in business the shoe production has been in business over 300 years so it's a very proven thing we are bringing managers from China uh, about 10 of them one will be a cook one will be a mechanic because the Chinese don't like food that's not of their uh, uh, derivation and uh, so it's very low risk seasons managers and, uh, and Ghana has all the inputs that we need. The advantages of, some advantages of Ghana, okay. 
the official language is English. Uh, it has a global peace index safer than the United States. It's a very stable government. It's proximity to the United States. The shipping is much, much cheaper than China. 72% are Christ Christians and has very high industrial growth. So we think this represents an outstanding opportunity and you can't really put a price on ending world poverty on a national basis. Thank you. That's, that's an incredible story. But how did you get involved with SCORE and what do you do with SCORE in your spare time? Well, I'd heard about SCORE and I relocated to Naples in 2009 from a little tiny town, less than 2,000 people, Cuba, New York. So I always wanted to be in SCORE, but we didn't have a local chapter there, of course. And so I called up, I guess, on Lehman, Andre Lehman, and uh, told him I was interested in learning more about it, and they interviewed me three or four times. And uh, then I got in and started uh, the counseling, and uh, it met what I find extraordinary, because I came down here from a little town in western New York, which is pretty depressed, and I came down here for the weather. And this is the general, but the people that I have met are the most world-class from Europe, from South America, from the United States, and the conversations have been without equal. What do you think is the possible key to success for you as a mentor at SCORE? I think first is understanding the client's needs and then evaluating their strengths and limitations. A lot of people have a dream of owning their own business or starting up a business. 70% of new startups don't make it to year five. And so they have to understand, some of them you show a business plan to and they go, no way. You know, I'm not going to write 60 pages of all of that. So I guess they have to know what they're getting into. And a small startup entrepreneur wears many hats, financial, real estate, human resource, banking, and they don't understand how many hats they have to wear and what it takes. So a lot of times I'll start out by trying to talk them out of it. And if there's fire in the belly, then we go forward. And you have to watch out. They're not bending the ranch and they have little kids and all of a sudden they've gone through their resources. And so it's a very serious, a very serious proposition. Are there any success stories that you've had at SCORE that you can talk about? Uh, yes, there was several. Uh, one was in foods. Uh, one was in art. And uh, those would be the most prominent. Uh, but I know SCORE, my understanding is SCORE Naples is number two in the country. About uh, 360 some chapters. That's my understanding. So that speaks to the, and we have a, we have a snowbird population here. So half or more of the counselors are not here for a good chunk of the year. Have you been involved at all with any of the electronic counseling, email counseling, or do you just do person-to-person -person individual counseling? I do person-to-person -person and um, I've never done it with 
email. I don't think it would be good to do it with email. I'm a member of Turnaround Management Association, TMA, and I've done turnarounds in which we never filed bankruptcy. It was restructuring, not reorganization. So everybody got paid except the lawyers and the accountants that when you file bankruptcy, you take grab the money first. Is there one particular thought you would like to leave our audience with regarding SCORE and the work of PACE? Uh, well, I think SCORE is the best kept secret in the world. Uh, and I know they're doing a lot of marketing, uh, but it's free. And you can, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food number one, shelter number two, self-actualization number three. And owning your own business, you can enjoy that, uh, that reward. So uh, I just encourage everybody to call up SCORE, learn about it, knowledge is good, and then you can make a decision if you want to be your own boss. Richard Siegel, founder and CEO of Pace International, thank you very much for your time and information today. Sure enough. My pleasure. So guys and gals, thank you very much for listening. And remember, SCORE is always there for you with free, ongoing, continuing help and advice for your startup or your existing business. At SCORE Naples, we have over 60 outstanding business experts ready to help you. Check out our podcast site, bizcastonline.com, for new podcasts or previous podcasts that are held in our archives. There's no better deal around. So long for now. <laughs>